people must be made the center of development, not for the interest of logging companies, not for the interest of mining companies. It should be the people. When the people at the center of development, we will see all the good things that come down and people will benefit from it. If not, as I said earlier on, we will be repeating the same old thing, expecting a different result, but we're gonna be progressing backwards instead of going forward. Hello and welcome back to For Land and Life, the Oakland Institute podcast. My name is Andy Currier and I'm your host for today's episode. Now around the world, large corporations are ruthlessly extracting natural resources and reaping enormous profits. The countries they operate in, however, are all too often left without any benefits for their own people. It's a story all too common today and solutions to stop this blatant exploitation are urgently needed. The good news? Governments in the Global South do have the power to change course and stand up to the powerful interests responsible for environmental devastation, deforestation, and climate change. Today's episode will focus on one country that may be turning the corner to do just this. The island nation of Papua New Guinea has an abundance of natural resource wealth and is home to the world's third largest rainforest. Since independence in 1975, though, in pursuit of so-called development, successive governments have allowed some of the world's largest mining, petroleum, and timber companies onto its shores to extract resources such as gold, silver, copper, nickel, oil, natural gas, tropical hardwoods, and palm oil. Over the last decade, PNG has become the largest exporter of tropical timber. While its resources are being exported to the world, the island nation's economic and social development has failed to match people's aspirations and government promises. Today, we have the privilege to speak with Eddie Tanago, who is campaign manager at Act Now, a PNG-based organization that's been a key advocate against illegal logging and other destructive extractive industries. Welcome, Eddie. It's great to have you on. So can you first give our listeners an overview of what Act Now does? <clears throat> Yes, uh, thank you. Uh, ECNO is, an, uh, is a community advocacy organization. Uh, we are based in Port Mosby, uh, Papua New Guinea, and uh, it was established in 2009. Uh, we have a vision, or the organization has a vision, for a just and equitable society um, for all Papua New Guineans. And that is founded on the deep spiritual connection to our customary land that underpins our rich cultural and biological heritage and the unique Papua New Guinean ways. We have a long-term um, vision or uh, um, a long-term thinking that, you know, the organization is, is one that is research-based, um, education and awareness program that conducts public campaigns to hold government accountable on the key issues that affect um, the interest or well-being of Papua New Guineans. And the focus is on protecting and, and, and encouraging um, the values and the importance of our customary land or the land tenure system that we have. Um, that we promote a development that is people-centered mm -hmm. and one that protects the environment and uh, ensures open and transparent governance. Um, this is done through, uh, these messages are portrayed through three of our main campaigns. One is on 
um, customary land and under customary land we have the campaign on on forestry um, we also have the other campaign which we call the model of development that is basically looking at um, the development pattern or the development mode at which Papua New Guinea is currently now since independence and lastly is on stopping the stealing or basically stopping corruption so today we're going to focus on the the forestry sector in in png before we get into how these forests are being exploited i think our listeners would love to hear more about the rainforest in your country could you describe it for someone who's never seen it and and how important it is to you and and the people of png yes um um, it is home to world's third largest forest and uh, has botanical diverse um, creatures that is not found anywhere else in the world. Um, it is home to a huge carbon sink that is globally promoted at the moment. Um, but most important of all, it sustains our life and livelihood because more than half of our population um, is rural based. And when I say rural based, the rural based ones are the ones that are very much dependent on these forests. And because of the nature of our land tenure system, um, we are land based, meaning we are also forest based as well too. So that means everything we have is derived from the forest. So we very much depend on the forest and the land for our livelihoods. It sort of gives us that sense of belonging. It gives us that sense of identity. Mm. So when you take away the forest, the forest is on the land. So basically you're taking away the forest and the land as well too. So you make the people basically lifeless. And looking at the companies taking away the forest, who are some of the logging firms operating in PNG? Sort of where are they based and, and where do they primarily export um, timber? Yes. Um, you know, as despite the importance that I've mentioned earlier on of these forests and land to us as Papua New Guineans, um, these forests have been under immense, immense threat, especially from large scale uh, exploitative logging. And the, the, the logging areas or concessions cover a vast area of forest. Um, so if, my, if I may can give you some stats um, that as of 2014, there were about 298 uh, logging concessions and that covered about 14 million hectares of rainforest. Okay. Since 2015, they have been, PNG has been the world's largest exporter of uh, tropical round logs and the volume of it being harvested has reached a peak of about 4, 4 million cubic meters in 2018. We also realized that there's, there's been new number of licenses or concession, logging concessions being given. Um, so in, by say since 2020, we found out there were about 20 new log export licenses given. Okay, by, uh, since last year, we found again new license, nine new licenses that were given again to foreign and logging companies. Now, who are the ones that are doing the logging? Um, we found out from a recent report we've released that um, the top 10, 
the top 10 companies that are responsible for uh, doing most of the logging in the country are Malaysian based or has some ties to Malaysia or has some ownership that goes back to Malaysia. And this top 10 Malaysian companies have contributed to nearly 70% of all round log exports. And they have sipped out a staggering number of about 6 million cubic meters of round log exports over this period of time. So it is, it is really, really huge. And most of um, um, the logging that have been exported uh, are shipped out to China. Mm. And you mentioned the sort of lack of regulatory framework. So just to understand, are these firms operating legally? Um, and are they operating on land that they've legally acquired? Now, we have a good number of research that's been done um, by internal researchers, by ourselves, by um, foreign organizations like Auckland Institute, we had global global witness also come do our research done research. Um, even also reports done by the government themselves um, has revealed that there's been huge huge number of breaches. Either it be legal, there are issues of human rights where police have been used to abuse and beat up um, landowners to go against or try to stop the progress of uh, the project. Um, we had people's land been illegally taken away, as we have seen under the special agricultural business lease where a government sanctioned report has found out that most of these logging leases were illegal and that the report recommended that this, most of these lands be given back to the landowners. Um, and the recent uh, Auckland Institute report in 2016 and 2017 um, which highlighted uh, logging companies evade paying tax. So with all those evidence put together, there is a strong evidence to say that most of these activities that are happening are illegal. And, you know, that report you mentioned, um, the Great Timber Heist, it, it exposed widespread tax evasion, like you mentioned. And so while, he's, while the industry is claiming that this logging is contributing to the country, um, you know, it showed in truth that the tax evasion and misreporting actually led to loss in tax revenue exceeding $100 million a year, which is a huge yeah. amount. Um, so that's, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. So I wanted to see also, um, you know, back in 2016, there were years of exposés and advocacy, like you've mentioned, um, showing yeah. this exploitation. So the government finally acted and introduced a progressive tax rate on exported logs. And at the time, the PNG Forest Industries Association, and they represent the logging companies, they warned that this tax increase um, would really lead the industry to the brink of disaster and you know, resulted in vanishing tax revenue for the country. So did the progressive tax rate have an impact you know, actually in practice? And, and did it actually bring the industry to the brink of disaster as the companies were complaining? Good question, because at the time when, when it was announced, um, the sector um, came out saying that they were gonna suffer disaster as a result of the increase in uh, uh, attacks. 
Um, then we went ahead and did uh, some research around looking at the log export volumes to see if they'd actually faced some problems. What we realized was so interestingly, because we found out that these companies were actually making money. They were not suffering losses. So this was, this was in contradiction to what the, the sector was saying or the PNG Forest Association uh, was saying that it would face disaster. They, were, they did really make a lot of money um, during that period. So it wasn't a loss for them. They were not uh, facing a brink of disaster, no. No, that's it's good to know and, and to push back against sort of that corporate propaganda. Um, now, back in May 2021, PNG's Internal Revenue Commission announced a crackdown on the logging industry after it accused it of being one of the most delinquent sectors for tax compliance and guilty of egregious transfer pricing and rampant tax evasion and deceptive behavior. Um, so what it did then is launch an audit of 20 companies. Um, just a few weeks ago, these audits led to concrete action for the first time with a major fine announced for one logging company. Could you explain what happened and its significance here? Yes. Um, it's been a very, very long, long process. Um, first, in 2016 and 27, there was this uh, groundbreaking uh, report by Auckland Institute. Um, and also the login advocacy by ECNOW. Uh, since then, um, right, right up, up until that year in 2018, the government agreed with OECD for international assistance for uh, tech inspection, inspectors without borders program. So in 2019, uh, Sam Coyne, the head of IRC was appointed. Previously was a very strong um, fighter of corruption and was the head of the uh, NEC Institute Task Force Sweep. He announced that 20 audits of logging companies was in progress. Now in 2021, um, IRC published a damning assessment of logging companies uh, doing uh, not paying tax. Um, they were doing transfer pricing and there was financial misreporting. Now, finally, we have the first logging company penalized with 140 million kina. But still, that's not the end. Uh, they're likely to appeal or could disappear. And also, we still have another 19 audits to be completed. So while we welcome the announcement by um, IRC, there is still more work to be done in, in ensuring that these companies' are, are revenues, lost revenues are collected, penalties are paid, um, plus also there are 19 more companies that are yet to be audited. So there is, while we welcome the announcement, there is still more work to be done. Right, and, and as the work of ACNOW and the Oakland Institute has shown, you know, a lot of these logging firms they evade corporate tax by, they claim losses, like you said, despite exporting millions of cubic meters of tropical timber. Yeah. You mentioned transfer pricing, which for our, if our audience is unfamiliar, it's when prices are manipulated and goods are transferred between related parties or companies that are within the same multinational group. And again, yeah. it's done to reduce the taxable profits. So it's good to hear that you're hopeful there will be more fines announced 
um, with this with this other um, the completion of the audit um, looking forward. Do you think this type of tax evasion is prevalent in other sectors of PNG's economy? Yes, definitely yes. Um, IRC talks about these practices being prevalent, especially in the resource sector and as, as a whole. Mm. And that includes mining, oil and gas, and major multinational uh, companies that are notorious, um, which evade paying corporate taxes. Also, many examples of tax evasion across other sectors, example, supermarkets exposed for um, VAT or VAT fraud. But logging companies have been at the forefront, uh, not just tax evasion, but other Ill illegalities. And that is theft of forest resources. There is no environmental controls. There is violation and human rights abuses against local communities who especially resist um, these exploitative uh, activities by foreign-owned logging companies. So um, yes, there is very much, uh, this practice really does exist in not only logging, but in many other major sectors, especially in the resource sector in PNG. And I want to kind of take a step back now and you know, hopefully there will be more fines um, that result from this audit of logging companies and the, you know, the, the crackdown that we saw, the fine that was announced that will spread um, and become it will just stronger and stronger enforcement. But in 2020, Act Now, Jubilee Australia and the Oakland Institute published a report called From Extraction to Inclusion that found kind of PNG economy has relied on the large scale extraction of minerals and other natural resources under the illusion it'll improve the lives of its citizens. Mm -hmm. By most indicators, um, you know, as we've mentioned a little bit, PNG is faring worse than its Pacific neighbors and progress that has been achieved really doesn't reflect the huge value of resources mm -hmm. being extracted. So, you know, again, while the crackdown on these companies is a welcome step, what are some of the broader kind of more comprehensive changes that need to be made to put people mm -hmm. at the center of PNG's development policies? Thank you. Uh, that's a that's a very big question, and that's a very important question as well, and something that's not been uh, um, looked at closely in the last forty years since our independence. Is that um, in that particular report we looked at Papua New Guinea all the way back to independence, mm -hmm. and we looked at PNG's development timeline and the goalposts which were set so that it met its development aspirations and objectives. Um, and that was, we had changed goalposts from agriculture based, an economy that was based on agriculture and land mm -hmm. to one that is based on resource, foreign resource exploitation. Now, what we've just discussed earlier on about tax evasion by logging companies um, is a byproduct of those decisions we make as our economic pathway. It's not only in logging, it's not, it's all over in all other resource extractive projects. Now, where are we now since independence? We have actually not met our development aspirations. We have all the resources that we've gotten out from this mining, this oil and gas, this logging. 
We have all those gone. There is nothing to really show for here in Papua New Guinea. We have services that are really in dire need. The basic health and education services that are meant to reach the rural population who are land-based and are at home. It doesn't trickle down to them. What we've gone wrong is that we are repeating the same old things, expecting a different result. We keep on opening new minds, expecting that there's going to be more money coming in so that we will have proper services reaching the people. But in fact, we are not. So we are doing the same old things by opening new minds, giving more login concessions, giving more fisheries license, thinking that we will have all the good things that are coming and people's lives are going to be better. In fact, no, we are going better off, better worse off than before. Now, what could be done to um, change this? First and foremost is that the government and foreign governments, foreign donors, and financial institutions must stop attacking customary land because customary land is the basis of our being, of our development. If you attack customary land, that's basically you are making people's life extinct. It is the foundation of our development. So they should not be attacking customary land. Two is stop all oil palm extensions and put a moratorium to all new licenses for logging. Put a stop to it. Three is that people must be made the center of development, not for the interest of logging companies, not for the interest of mining companies. It should be the people. When the people at the center of development, we will see all the good things that come down and people will benefit from it. If not, as I said earlier on, we will be repeating the same old thing, expecting a different result, but we're gonna be progressing backwards instead of going forward. Well, thank you. I think that's a really you know, good summary to a really broad question, but, but really clear on what needs to happen to kind of build off of this, this positive step that PNG has taken to really, like you said, put people at the center of development. Um, so thank you, Eddie. And then for listeners who want to keep up with the important work being done by Act Now, um, we'll provide links to your website and some social media below. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Andy. So that's going to conclude today's episode. All the reports that were mentioned by Eddie and myself are available on the Oakland Institute website. Be sure to subscribe to the Oakland Institute Reporter Newsletter and follow us on social media to stay up to date on the latest developments on PNG and around the world. Thank you as always for listening. Until next time.